Hello, people. Uh, last weekend here. So as me and Shoot wrapped up the show, I came to realize that uh, a couple of the tracks I chose are arrangements done by Kurt Cope and the original composers. I didn't credit them, so I apologize. Uh, so the one track is originally composed by Masato Nakamura, and it's arranged by T. Lopes. And the other one just has T. Lopes um, doing a composition with a one June Sonoe. So I'll have that in the show notes. Um, I also believe, if I'm correct, he composed the entire soundtrack for Shredder's Revenge. But I don't know for sure if he had a hint, which I believe he did. If the um, if he had a hand in the uh, crap, what's it called? The um, the track done by the Wu Tang Clan. So I need to look into that. But anyway, um, enjoy the show and thanks for listening. Sorry, I break it in here once more. He did compose the track that the Wu Tang Clan were featured on. So again, enjoy the show. Welcome once again to VGM Origins, and this is our second episode, which happens to coincide with the summer event of VGM Podcasters, Masters of VGM. Now, this year's event had to do with up-and-coming VGM composers or unsung VGM composers. So when I was thinking about unsung VGM composers, someone came to mind, and I thought about the perfect person to bring in to talk about this. Before I get to her, my composer is someone that's an up-and-coming composer whom I enjoyed because I just basically sung the praises of the soundtrack that they composed of last year for the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge game, which we're now getting DLC for. So I'm hoping there's going to be more tracks for that. So for me, I will be playing tracks from T-Lopes. My guest is a fan of this unsung composer. She has been on the podcast several times before on my previous podcast. Uh, she used to do a podcast with her father, Very Good Music, a VGM podcast, which sadly had to close the doors, which I greatly missed that podcast because it was a fun podcast where, you know, Bedroth, her father, would have various members of his family, mainly his children, on there. And it was just very cute and endearing, and it was nice to see. You know, but, you know, maybe some Bedroth's supposed to come on, I think, like episode four or three, one or the other. I'll figure it out. Anyway... Uh, she is the author of the book, you know, Smackin' Corvanites, How Become a Tinkin' Hun Stands Has Made Me Famous Overnight, none other than Shoot Kapow. Hey. Shoot, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Uh, well, this is the first This is the first time being on this show, but it's been a while since we've been on a podcast together. Uh, last time we were on one, it was for the Fighters Lounge Generations Edition, where we were comparing, like, games from our childhoods. Uh, you just recently turned 18, graduated from high school, so congratulations on that. Thank you, you know, so, thank you. So, what have you been up to, other than from, we were talking before recording, that you started your YouTube channel, you've been doing videos, and you're up to, you just found out before we started recording, 500 subscribers. <laughs> yeah, I, like, just hit 500, which is kind of crazy. Like, and one of your videos uh, for Pikmin has hit 15,000 views. Yep. So other than your YouTube channel, which is starting to get its legs underneath it, what else have you been up to? Uh, not too much. Mostly just working, saving up for college and stuff. Ah, so you're going to go to college. I mean, that's smart. Me personally, I, eh. The idea of college is kind of always, I have nothing against it. I support anyone that goes. 
But at the same time, I'm of the mindset that, you know, depending on what you go for, you wind up putting yourself more in debt than further ahead in life. Yeah, what I'm what I'm going for is uh, a theater major. Ah. So hopefully that uh, does turn out well. Because I, I am like super into like theater and stuff. And also a lot of um, a lot of it is just like the social aspect. I want to kind of get out there and you know meet more people. I mean, that's where you're supposed to do at this point in your life. You know, fresh out of high school, you're supposed to go out and enjoy yourself and have fun. Uh, my partner would actually love this idea because they're a the they were a theater kid growing up. So, but all right. So it's been a while since you've been on the show, and we're talking about none other than who? Grant Kirko. Grant Kirko, a man who has done well mainly a lot of rare video games, but composed a lot of tracks like. People, this is the man that composed the pause screen for GoldenEye, which I will probably play in the background for the first half of the show because I'm pretty sure someone walked in the office and was like, hey, Grant, we need you to compose music for a movie-based video game. All right? What do you want me to do? GoldenEye. Okay. Also, the pause menu theme, just do whatever. And he went in and he killed that track. Like, there are people out there who have done freestyles with that track in the background for real like it's it's like that one uh that one meme of the guy playing the piano while it's on fire that's just grant kirko composing the golden eye pause screen <laughs> just the grant we need you to compose a pause screen menu piano on fire for real so what i i gotta wonder what made you choose of all people grant kirko what like what ultimately led you towards this individual well, I've been a big fan of Grant for a while. His composing style is super unique, and it's something that I, I just I really enjoy. But uh, his style has also influenced my music quite a bit. Uh, if uh, if anyone watching, anyone listening, didn't know, I do compose music. Yes, but, um, I think your um, what was it? It was um, Lloyd for Smash uh, on Flat.io, I used to be uh, Floyd Irving for Smash. I've since changed that name to Shoot Cabal. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> Smash just, you realize, like, not getting Lloyd. Although, I would give, uh, what's his name? Um, the guy that did Smash Bros. Is it, no, it's not Shigeru Miramoto. Um, someone else. And Sakurai. Sakurai, I'll give him credit. He trolled the, he trolled the hell out of the fans. They're like, we want Dante. We want Lloyd. We want Shantae. All right, you're going to get them. As me costumes. For you, real. You son of a biscuit. Why? But anyway, uh, back to your So you've been a fan of his for a while. Um, so when was the first time, like, I'm guessing from one of the video games that he composed for? Uh, yeah, Banjo-Kazooie, I think. Uh, I, I learned about, like... You know, I mean, I learned about him on Very Good Music when I was doing that with Bedroth. Mm -hmm. And then uh, from there, I just kind of like, I heard some of his stuff. I really liked it. And then Banjo got in Smash. And from there, I just like came across a lot of his stuff naturally. And also it helps that he composed for Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle and also did a lot of the music for the sequel, Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. So 
and those are both games that I own and that I and my brother have played. Okay. So, just like, I've heard a lot of his stuff and it's really, really nice and it's, I've kind of incorporated some of it into my style. Alright. I know, like, with the Mario, like, it, I remember when the Mario Rabbids game first came out, because in the first one, um, Mario doesn't get guns, correct? Uh, Mario does, actually. Um, okay, so I, I was trying to figure out what was the first or second one. Either way, it's like, I saw the cover art and then saw a gameplay, I'm like, wait, they gave Mario the guns from, they gave him Star-Lord's guns from Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, Mario got a banger? And then, the weird thing is, because I've been saying this for years now about Mario, uh, up until the Super Mario Brothers movie, which, great movie, uh, we can talk about that later, up to that movie, I noticed something, like, Mario's been a, Mario's a plumber, but throughout, up to the point of the movie, throughout his entire career, this man has been a doctor, he's driven cars, he's, um, he's wielded hammers, beam sabers, guns, um, uh, 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 basically a fire hydrant on his back. All these things. Never once saw Mario for wrench. Till that movie. How are you a plumber, but you don't use a wrench? Actually, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, like, I, I really sat there the one day, just before they even announced the movie, like, at my previous apartment, my old roommate, me and him were sitting in the one day, and I saw the Mario... It, actually, it was when I first saw the trailer for the first Mario's and Rabbids game. I'm like... Yo, they gave Mario guns, like laser pistols, like Star-Lord guns. He goes, yeah, I was like, wait a minute. He goes, what? I was like, this man's wielding, dual-wielding guns right now. But he's never used a wrench. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, think about it. When have you ever seen Mario use a wrench? He's a plumber, and he doesn't use a wrench. And he, he sat there, he, had, he took a seat, he's like, yo. What the? Yo, like, he's used hammers. He never, you've never seen Mario for wrench. That's a shame. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> anyway, you um you sent me a lot of tracks. I mean a lot of tracks, and they're all good. So tonight's tracks will all be done by either Grant Kirko, composed by him, or my composer, T Lopes, whom I so I had to bring up I had to pull up some info because T Lopes doesn't have a Wikipedia page. So I just did a quick well, I don't use I use Bing, okay, because Bing will, you know, give me points <laughs> for my Microsoft yeah. stuff. Uh, so this is what I found for T. Lopes. Um, T. Lopes is a Portuguese producer and composer. He's known for his work in video game soundtrack composition, notably for Sega and the Sonic franchise. Lopes started out crafting hip-hop beats for aspiring rappers before falling to video game soundtrack composition. He taught himself keyboard at a young age, joining his first band at age 9. Wow. Lopes is also known as a songwriter, singer, arranger, voiceover artist, DJ, and occasional graphic designer. Um... I gotta say, like, when... So, T. Lopes, I think, if I'm correct, he originally got his start doing, like, his own compositions to various video game music that's iconic. If you go to his YouTube page, you'll see a lot of it. And then, I guess, someone over at Sega, when they were coming out with Sonic Mania, they're like, hey, you've been making this music. How about we pay you to make the music for us for this game? And some of the best Sonic music there's been for a while because Sonic Mania is the Sonic game we wanted for years since Sonic the Hedgehog 3. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the Sonic Adventure games. I mean, have you ever played any of those? I have not, but I do have a friend who is a big fan of them. Yeah, like, so, like, the 
good songs in there, but it's not like when you think of like Sonic, I think like the Sega Genesis music. And then you turn around and here comes Celos. And then even better, one of my favorite games as of last year. Wait, was it last? Yeah, last year. Uh, Shredder's Revenge. And then he's like, hey, T-Loves is going to do comp- composition for this. And they got the Wu-Tang Clan on. Like, they got Method Man and Raekwon the Chef on it. Like, man, this soundtrack slaps. But we're going to go ahead and play, since you're my guest, we'll play your first track of the night. Um, so what would you like to play first? Uh, well, I think we should probably go ahead and start out with something classic, but relatively new. Let's go ahead and play the Spiral Mountain remix from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, composed and arranged by Grant Kirkhope. All right, and here's that track. All right, we are back. That was Spiral Mountain Remix, written and composed by Grant Kirkhope for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I think he also remixed it as well, right? Uh, Yes, he did. All right. So I remember when they first added Banjo-Kazooie to 
Smash Brothers. First off, it was like a big thing for a lot of people. Second, Kurt Cope went and I think uh, Nintendo reached out and was like, hey, you want to rearrange some of these tracks for this game? Which, uh, so I have Kurt Cope's uh, biography up here via Wikipedia because, you know, I'm sorry, like, I get it where I can. So I was a little shocked. I thought Kurt Cope was a little bit younger. He is 60 years old. Yeah, he's pretty old. Like, man. Well, uh, he's born. He was born in Edinburgh, Scotland. So let's see. Um, Grant Kirkhope is a Scottish composer and voice actor for video games and film. I didn't even know he did film till like I read this. Some of his most notable work, multiple yeah, words. See, this is what I get for eating flaming hot Cheetos. <laughs> Some of his no, most notable works include GoldenEye 007, Banjo-Kazooie, Donkey Kong 64, and Perfect Dark. Uh, let's see. his. Let's see. He recently... He was nominated for Best Score for a Video Game for Kingdom of Amalur Reckoning back in 2021. Uh, and he's worked on a lot... What? Wow. Okay, so here's the games he has worked on. He's done some... It looks like he also plays instruments. so... For the following games, he's performed either live guitar or trumpet. Killer Instinct 2 slash Gold, which came out for the Super Nintendo. Uh, Star Fox Adventures, a game that I've played and... Mm. Conquer Live and Reloaded, another fun game. No one should be playing... Uh, no one under the age of 16 should be playing that game. True. <laughs> uh, let's see, and that's about it. He has been... He has composed for Donkey Kong Land 2. He did a conversion of David Wise's soundtrack. Okay. Uh, 007, back in 90... Wow, when I look back at this, 1997, it makes me think about how old I am. <laughs> you weren't even born yet when this game came out. Yeah, for real. Uh, let's see. Banjo-Kazooie, DK64, Banjo-Tooie, Perfect Dark where he composed with Graeme Norgate and David Slinnick. I think that's how you pronounce that. Grab by the Ghoulies, a game that I I have access to and I never finished playing. It, it's not a bad game. Like, I've played some bad games. and It's not a bad game. It's definitely different. I think it was supposed to be, like, it's supposed to be different. But um, it's also supposed to function with a Kinect, I believe. Uh, let's see. Oh, no, this was the original Xbox game. So, all right. Uh, Viva Pinata, both of them for the Xbox 360 with Steve Burke. Or was this original? Yeah, no, these were 360s. Wow. You think back, the 360 came back in two, came out in 2006, 2008. Uh, Kingdoms of the MLR, Reckling, 2012. A game called Fart Cat. I am not kidding. There is a game here that he's done compo composition for called Fart Cat. Uh, he did a remake of the original game soundtrack of Castle of Illusion star Mickey Mouse back in 2013. Uh, Civilization, Civilization Beyond Earth, he's done work on that. Gizmo, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Uh, Cryptid Neko Dancer, Rare Replay. Here's one that I was really shocked about, because this is the second movie-based video game that he's done. Uh, 2016 Ghostbusters, and I love that game. I love the Ghostbusters game from 2016. Did not know that he did composition for it. So to me, that's dope. Um, as we, of course we know, Smash Bros. Ultimate, Cadence of Hyrule, 
He's done work on World of Warcraft, Minecraft Dungeons. Uh, let's see. The last game he's worked on, which has not come out yet, is something called Hex Heroes. Uh, originally development for Wii U. Didn't come out. It's supposed to release on Microsoft and Windows. Oh, no. This is unreleased. So, like, that does count. Uh, the two games, Lobo Destroyo and Poglings. Um, he's done... Oh, okay. He... <laughs> oh, God. When you find out, let's see. Oh, he's also done voice work. Banjo Kazooie, Donkey Kong. He's the voice of Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong 64? Hmm. Did you know this? <laughs> I didn't, actually. Yeah, it looks like he's voiced Donkey Kong for a couple of Donkey Kong games. Uh, DK64, Donkey Kong Country for the Game Boy Advance, Donkey Konga, Mario Golf Told School Tour, Mario Kart Double Dash, Mario vs. Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Country 2 for the Game Boy Advance, Mario Kart for the Game Boy Advance, Donkey Kong Country 3. Yeah, he's... Wow. Okay. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. I did not know this. He's also the voice of... Uh, oh my god. Alright, so there's a game called Ukulele. I've never played this, okay? He yeah. does the voice of a character. Are you ready for this? The character's, the character's name is Crazy Kirkhope. <laughs> oh, wow. That is... So, he, he has a very, like... He, this man has a very, like... And again, like, here's the thing. Like, I think... I don't know if anyone did Grand Kirkhope last year for Masters of VGM. Sorry if you hear the baby in the background. He's listening to Bluey. Um, I don't know if anyone else did him last year. I don't remember for sure. I didn't look at the, uh, what do you call it? The list, so to say. Um, but, like, he just, man, he, he's he's done work. Like, he's been active since 1995. So. But other than Kirko, like, if you had to, like, Next to, like, would you say Grant Kirkhope is your favorite VGM composer? Maybe not my number one favorite, but he is definitely up there. So who He's would be in your... my top three for sure. Who would be your number one? At the moment, probably Lena Rain because uh, I've uh, I've been playing Celeste recently, and okay. the music in that game is really good. And also, her work for Minecraft has been great recently. It's just overall good stuff. I hear people talk about Celeste a lot. And so maybe this is just me being, as your dad would say, an old fogey. When it comes to like certain, how can I say this? Certain, uh, I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. Certain game types, basically indie developers, so to say. I have nothing against indie games. I think indie games are great. I think, like, it's great that a lot of these people that grew up playing certain types of games are now making video games. I guess my issue is that what I want from indie developers is for them to make games based off of, like, Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis graphics. Like, 8-bit style, I get it. It's easier to do it graphically. But, like, you give me, like, a, like, Shredder's Revenge, okay? It's a 16-bit side-scrolling beat-em-up. Give me something like that. Okay, I can work with that. Like, I love that game. Okay, like, graphics like that, I like. I can't do, like, all these indie developers making all these games that just look like it came off of a Nintendo. I'm just like, no, no, I don't want this. 
Excuse me one moment. I couldn't tell what it was. Sound like the dog was chewing on the door. <laughs> Go somewhere. But I don't know. Like so. But anyway, I've heard a lot of people talk about Celeste. I just, I don't know. So many games just don't. It, it don't grab my attention as it should. You think I would like this stuff, but it doesn't. But um, other than that, what? All right. So other than Celeste, what else are you currently playing? Uh, at the moment. Uh, I'm getting back into Pikmin because that's uh, yeah, Pikmin, Pikmin 1 and 2 have been re-released on Switch to, you know, kind of commemorate Pikmin 4's imminent release. I guess, like, within the next month, it's releasing on, actually, like, about in a month. It's releasing on July 21st. Yes. Oh, so. yeah, actually, in one month's time, which, that's funny because my next son, my next child is due July 21st. Huh. <laughs> Neat. I will not be in the delivery room playing Pikmin. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh -oh. Um. Apart from that, I've also been into Kirby pretty recently. Uh, I've played Kirby Squeak Squad. I beat it recently. That was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, I've always got Pokemon going on. I'm actually uh, recording some of my uh, Cacnea only challenge run of pokemon emerald right now on the side why are you just running a cac are, are you at least going to evolve it to cac turn nope exclusively oh cac here I'm let, let me to... let me tell you a, a couple of the other runs i've done okay like i haven't been doing this uh for as long as like this other guy who does pokemon uh solo runs but yeah let's see i've got Pokemon Leaf Green with only one Ghastly, which that one was easy because Ghastly is surprisingly just really good. And that's the thing, when you when you do a solo run, the Pokemon, like, it's just the one Pokemon, so it gets, like, all the XP, and it ends up getting pretty overleveled. On top of that, like, when you think back, even though Leaf Green is in the era of Gen 3, it still kind of follows the timeline, the gameplay of Gen 1, and, like, yeah. I was, I, I recently went back, I was playing, because uh, Pokemon Stadium... One got re-released for 64 online for the Nintendo Switch. And I came to realize, like, man, all the status moves missed, like, 60% of the time. For real, it sucks so bad. Like, could you imagine if the Pokemon VGC just like, hey... Gotta go get your Game Boys and your expand and your uh, transfer packs and your 64s. It's all gonna be Gen One Pokemon, no legendaries. Everybody would just wild. Everyone would just be running Dragonites, Nido Kings. Just oh my god, just ah. Uh. I mean, that is the thing with VGC. Uh, it has like different formats. Yeah. It's like, for a couple months, you're just going to be running, like, uh, base decks Pokemon without, like, legendaries. Uh, for example, this generation, uh, Series 1, or Regulation A, as it's now called, is a little complicated with the names, but uh, Series 1 had just, like, base Pokedex Pokemon, uh, like, no legendaries, no Paradox Pokemon, nothing like that. Yeah. Series 2 added the Paradox Pokemon in. And that kind of, that like shook up the meta a lot. And then Regulation C, or Series 3, but it's officially called Regulation C, 
out of the four uh, ruinous Pokemon, uh, Chiyu, Tingle, the, the legendaries. Yeah. That yeah are, like uh, the box art legends. As I call them, the goldfish, the saber-toothed tiger, the slug, and the bull with a soup bowl on its head. Yep. And then uh, it's not like um, Regulation D isn't, uh, it, it isn't like officially the main format yet, but it's going to be adding the Pokemon added through Pokemon Home. So like the regional variants from Legends Arceus and the specific like starters and legendaries that are be, uh, being brought back. True, which uh, we'll talk more about Pokemon, but I'm going to play my first track of the night, which yeah, is from T-Lopes. Let's yeah. get back on topic. Okay, no, we, look, that's the whole purpose of the show. Like, that's why it's called VGM Origin. Get into the origin of, like, various people who like VGM games and in general. But, uh, so, my first track is from Sonic Mania, uh, and this is Flying Battery Zone Act 2, done by T-Lopes. So, here's the track.
God. Oh, I need a new gaming chair. Oh, I'm back. <clears throat> All right, we are back. That was Flying Battery Zone Act 2, done by T-Lopes for the game Sonic Mania. So, before we went, um, before we looked, took a break to listen to the track, we were talking about Pokemon and, you know, games that you're playing. Um, I, I want to get back to other games you're playing, but something I want to touch on with Pokemon real quick. So, I don't know if you remember the controversy about the glitch where people's save files were being erased. Um, I think I do remember something like that. Yeah. So yeah, when I they first, that. yeah. So when they first updated to where you could take Pokemon from Go, Pokemon Go, and put it in the home and connect home to like that, there was a lot of save files being erased. Um, people were losing like it. it it's like Nintendo. They're like, oh, what's that? I don't think people understand like what it means when your Pokemon save file gets erased because like Microsoft, well with Xbox for instance, with Microsoft, uh, on your Xbox One, most of your save files are saved to a cloud and that's done via it's just done freely. It's just it's just a done thing. I can't tell you how many times I've erased a game, erased a save file, thinking, oh okay, reinstalled the game and oh, I picked up where I left off because it's in the cloud. Uh, PlayStation, you could do the same thing, but you have to pay a fee for that. Uh, I think Nintendo started offering something like that for the cloud save. But I think it's only for certain games. I don't know if Pokemon's one of those games. Regardless, can you imagine if you put, like, how many hours would you say is currently on your Scarlet or Violet? Uh, not too many. Probably around, like, I want to say 40 hours. Okay, how many hours would you say you put in the Sword and Shield? Sword and Shield, probably a little more because, like, I played the DLC, obviously. Yeah. Well, Maybe around, like, 70 or 80, probably. Well, the point is that I know people who have had over 100 hours in these games separately, okay? So the idea of, like, your whole save file just gone and then having to start over. And for a lot of people, they don't understand the... The, like the 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 agony of that because you get like if you like IV your mom perfectly trained them because IV training on here is back to the old way of IV training which I hate. Yep. And it's like, oh my god, like why didn't y'all leave it the way it was in Sword and Shield? You knew there was a glitch and y'all let it go because it made people be able to get a. I could breed a competitive mon. It, look, breeding a competitive mon would take a while. Okay, just to get the right IVs and stats and things like that, depending on, you know, the uh, circumstances. But, like, if you yeah. have the right breeding stock, so to say, which is a terrible thing to say on a podcast, but when it's talking Pokemon, breeding stock is an actual thing. If you got the right IV ditto and the right nature and everything and it comes out good, okay. It would take me maybe less than five minutes to get the IV, to, you know, get the EVs trained to where I want them to be. Less than five minutes with the hack. Okay, with the little, like, time travel trick. Now, yeah. look, if I want to do a mon, it's going to take me at least two to make one or two days at best just to do certain things because the, the picnic, I could go on and on about my issues with the current thing of Pokemon, but bottom line is this. Would you say, glitches and bugs aside, are you enjoying the game? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's... The, the story's fun, the gameplay's fun. 
the new Pokemon are great, and uh, the competitive formats are a lot of fun. Look, don't get me wrong, I do like the new Mons. I, I think this is the first Pokemon game where I've actually enjoyed all three starters. Yeah. All three are dope. I've had people give, it's a quote, quote, how do you say quote, the water types final form? Quaquaba? Quaquaba, something like that. Quaquaba. Okay, I can't say. Look, Skeledurge, Meowth, and Quaquaba. Love all of them. Love every last one of them. They're all dope. Especially Skeledurge. That's why I'm really hoping I get my Feraligator so I can have these boys tag team. For real. Anyway, uh, we're going to get back to Pokemon later. Other than Pokemon, what other games are you playing other than Celeste? Um, well, we got Pikmin, we got Kirby, and apart from that, not too much, really. So, I know, um, for me, right now, I'm in the midst of my Summer's Game Challenge. You have heard about this before, correct? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, so for me, I'm current, my, my 10 games are, hold on, pull this up, ta -ta -ta -ta. Uh, adulting. All right, so my 10 games are, it's kind of a two at the same time. Diablo 3 and 4, because Diablo 4 came out and never beat 3. Lost Planet 3. Maximum versus the Army of Zen. Halo Infinite. Bayonetta 3, which I'm making great progress through because I forgot how much I love that game. Uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, because that soundtrack is perfect. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Elden Ring, because I'm on the final boss. <laughs> Tokyo Ghostwire and Redfall, which I just got done playing before I before we started recording the episode. And oh boy, like so let me ask you this. Have you ever looked forward to a game, got your hands on it, and was highly disappointed? Um I don't think like to a super big extent. But I definitely have been disappointed by games before. Like Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, for example, wasn't like I just got I, bored of it real easily. Oh my god, I thought it was the only one. I completely agree. Because when Brilliant Diamond came out, let me make this clear. So and here we're back to talk about Pokemon again. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh when and we talked about this on the episode we did with your on your old show, uh why I hate Gen 3. Because it's a personal grudge. So I skipped Gen 3. And Diamond was one of my favorite games next to Silver. Silver is still not my number one video game of all time. But Diamond is close runner-up. So when they announced Brilliant Diamond, I was like, oh, man. This is going to be great. And I went in and I played it. I was like, all right, I'm having fun. That's it. It's not like with, uh, what was it? Uh, Alpha Sapphire, Omega Ruby. Where they're like, hey, we have Mega Evolutions in this. Like, they didn't... I, I get it. They didn't add Gigantamax to, like, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. But it's like, what else do you guys have here that we can do? Yeah, and it's then, literally just Diamond, but it looks better. And then, to make matters worse, you could even take certain Pokemon from Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl to Sword and Shield. Yep. It's like, oh, I thought I was going to get my Feraligator. No. No. Why? Like, 
for years, I've gone without my Feraligator, okay? Now it looks like I might get it back, but I'm going to be losing Drapion. This hurts me, man. This hurts me so much. I just want to cry. But, um, the reason why I asked you that question is because when they first showed Redfall, I was like, oh, this looks like it could be a good game. The game itself is 70 bucks, okay? I have Game Pass, so I don't... I get to play it for free via the Game Pass. This is not a $70 game. At all. I... And that's a sad thing to say because a lot of video games nowadays are going up in price. Like, all right, uh, did you get Tears of the Kingdom? Uh, yeah, actually, at my... Uh, we, we got it with a game voucher, but... Oh, okay. But, yeah, yeah, yeah so you only paid, like, the $50, $60 for it. Yeah. Okay. I went to the store because I wanted... I don't know. I'm I'm old, I'm old school, so I want the case. So that's just me. Um, I paid the seventy, and guess what? That game is worth every penny. Worth every penny. Um, I recently picked up Final Fantasy sixteen. It's installed. Haven't played it yet because adulting. Uh, I don't know. I just it gets to a point like when you play certain games and you look forward to it, and then you get your hands on like, okay, this is disappointing. What the hell? So, um. Alright, so, and right back to Pokemon again. Alright, so of all the new mods, I'm guessing obviously because of your uh, Twitter profile, why Tinkerton? Like, wh what gravitates you towards Tinkerton? Other than the fact that this thing was a giant hammer made out of Corviknight corpses and knocks Corviknights out of the air to keep fortifying its hammer. Uh, honestly, I just, I like it. It's... Uh, it, it's a good, like, support mon with oh, a, a really is. strong signature move. Yeah. Uh, it, I just wish it, like, I, I just wish it was stronger. Like, that's all it needs to be good in, like, VGC is a good attack stat. But uh, 75 honestly, attack. Honestly, it, like, I've seen the move list, like, it's, like, it's move pool. I'm like, this, you're right. This is a really good support Pokemon. But there's a lot of stats that it's lacking. Like, you would think something wielding a giant flipping hammer would have a pretty decent attack stat. And that thing is abysmal. Yep. But, all right, 75 we're gonna... attack. Oh, God, just, just, I don't understand. I, it's a good mod. I like this concept because it's very steel, right? Yeah. So it's a good concept. It's just, I don't understand why it's such a low attack stat. But, all right, we're going to play your next track of the night, and what would that be? Uh, I think we can go ahead and... Uh, well, we were talking about... Uh, we were talking about Rareware earlier, and this yeah. is one of those games. We've got Perfect Dark for the Nintendo 64. Uh, yeah, I think it's called um, Chicago... Chicago Stealth. Yeah, Chicago stuff, and I know the part because so a lot of the games you picked tonight, other than well, a lot of tracks you picked for, for tonight, I've actually played most of the games that these tracks come from, save for and it's gonna be this is gonna sound really bad Banjo Kazooie. Never played Banjo, I've never played either of the band. I've played demos of it. Remember that, kids? Remember demos? Remember Toys of Russ? <laughs> Remember game stores that existed that weren't GameStop full of douchebag employees? No one? Just me? Okay. Anyway, 
Here's a track to travel self done by Grant Kirkhope for the game Perfect Dark.
really, really sucks. <laughs> Lord knows I should be drinking more water, but I'm not at work, so fuck it. Ah, we're back. That track was Chicago Stealth from Perfect Dark, and that's composed by who shoot? By Grant Kirkhope. Okay. So, have you ever played Perfect Dark? Um, I have not. I my first console was a Wii, and you're making me, you're making me feel so old right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, my first game was actually Mario Sunshine, so technically not a Wii game, but you know. I mean, look, that's one thing I did like about the Wii because I still have my Wii. You could play GameCube games on your Wii. Yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, so like I still have my Wii for that simple fact of because. It's easier for me to play the games on my Wii rather than going and buy another GameCube. Like, it's right there. Plus, my Wii's hacked, so I can play old games. Like, I really need to get around to playing Chrono Cross. I mean, what? No, not on Chrono Cross. Chrono Trigger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, so, when we went to break, we were talking about, like, games that disappointed us. And um, this game definitely did not disappoint. Now, this particular track plays... They're a part of the game where you're trying to sneak into a building, hence the name Chicago Stealth. Um, Perfect Dark, honestly, a lot of people felt like this was supposed to be, like, a sequel to GoldenEye, but then they went a different direction. And when you look at it, it kind of looks like this was, I don't know if you could call it this, but, like, um, in a sense, it kind of looks like DLC before DLC was a thing. <laughs> so... I mean, it's a fun game. Um, I don't know. Do you like first-person shooters? Um, I've never been a super big fan. Like, the only FPS-type game that I've played is Splatoon, and that's not even, like... Yeah, it's a third-person, person, you know? Um, It's a fun game. If you ever get a chance, I would suggest playing it. Um, I don't know if it's on the um, 64 Online. I know it's on Xbox. And you could probably play it on... A computer now um uh, it's definitely fun i will say that uh it's not too difficult there's a weapon in there that's completely broken it's called the butterfly sniper mm. let me explain how this weapon works it can see through walls oh. and it can and it can also shoot through walls so there's yeah, parts i can i can <laughs> see how that would be broken there's a part in a game where you get a hold of this is literally just you just go throughout the level just sniping people from like the area that you get in i mean it only has a limited number of shots but it's like oh you really don't have to i'm just gonna stay here and just pick people off because it'll show you everyone within a certain range like just it's a great game um i still have my 64 i don't have it for the 64 i have it for my three for my xbox but it's a great game if you have a 64 it's definitely something to add to a collection um Let's see. Now, you're sitting there talking about, like, right, like, because I was doing the breaks, I'm asking if you need to go get some drink. You're like, oh, I got water. So, good for you. You know, we all should be drinking more water. But, you know, this is my cheat day. So, because, sorry, exercising because I'm old and I need to be in shape. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite snack? Um, I'm not really sure, actually. Uh,. I mean, I, I kind of just snack on whatever is around, really. So you really don't have a preference. It's just like, oh, this is available. I'm going to eat this. Yeah. 
So you don't have like a favorite candy bar or anything? Uh, well, I, I do really like uh, Reese's Cups. They're really nice. Which I find really weird. So sh do, do you mind if I tell like your, like not your exact location, but the state you live in? Oh, yeah. Okay. So she, she lives in Texas. Okay. I live in Pennsylvania. I'm not too far from Hershey, the place where they make Reese's Cups. So I always find it interesting when I talk to other podcasters, they tell me like one of their favorite candies is a candy that is literally made here. Like, I there was a couple of times I was considering going to work at the Hershey's um, candy warehouse where basically you're packing candy and stuff. And then I'm like, you know what? Nah, I'm good. Because then I hear horror stories like, um... A couple of months back, two workers got caught in a chocolate vat. Ooh. And they had to shut down the factory for the day. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing deliveries for Amazon because that's my current job. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, so Reese's Cups. All right. Like, I'm not going to lie. I've been a big Reese's kick lately myself. Um, but honestly, if it comes down to it, Snickers. I've loved Snickers since I was like able to like i guess walk so always snickers for me i should That's go out and get me snickers is good i should always, i should go out and get me a snickers ice cream bar when this is over anyway um all right so all right so you don't have to answer this one okay for fear of uh what's the word i'm looking uh kickback on it what is the sibling that annoys you the most <laughs> Um, I don't think I'm going to answer that one. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, all right, so let me, uh, all right, so let me change that question to this. What is, um, so like, all right, you were saying earlier, like you do compositions, you've been doing YouTube videos and stuff. So, um, you said Kirk Cope was kind of a, um, key figure in inspiring you to do your own compositions, correct? So what is it that, like, ultimately, like, I'm trying to think of a way to word this. What helps get your creative juices going? Like, is it just a random thought that comes in your head? Or you hear something you think, oh, I could do this a little bit better? Like, what's the process? Um, well, the main thing I tend to focus on is melodies. Like, I get a good melody in my head, and then I kind of like I find a good instrument and I write it down and then I just kind of go from there. I tend to do each, um, I tend to do it in like uh, groups of eight measures, like uh, eight measure phrases. And mm -hmm. I do like every instrument at once. And I just kind of write down what I'm thinking at the moment and then just kind of go back and tweak that as much as I can. Okay. Because I always find it weird because I'm one of the people where I don't, when it comes to like things of like music composition and stuff, I have no rhythm. None. Okay. The fact I can play Guitar Hero on an Xbox 360 controller is astounding within itself. Okay. Don't ask me to play drums. And in terms of like vocals, um, I could do Tribute 100% on Expert Difficulty by Tenacious D and that's it. Yes. That is it. Don't ask me to sing any other songs. Like, just no. But you know, I do find it interesting, uh, like, you know, like your gen like I was saying to you earlier, your generation is a generation where when I was growing up and I was your age, 
YouTube was just becoming a thing. The internet was starting to find its legs. You know, we didn't have, like, Twitch or streamers or things like that. Or, like, a sense of a social platform. Like, if I could... If I would have sat there and told my mom, like, when I was, like, 15, 16, hey, I want to become a professional video gamer. She'd have looked at me like I was crazy and told me to go get an actual job. Now, that's a legit thing. You know, you got people who stream, who make, what would you say, like, you, you know more about streaming and influencers, and which is a phrase that just recently came into the term. I mean, I think the phrase has been around for a while, but it's become more of a used term, household term nowadays, influencers. Who would you yeah. say is the most highest paid influencer when it comes to streaming video games? Please don't say Ninja. Um, In terms of streaming video games, I... I don't really know, actually. I, I don't tend to watch a lot of, like, what I guess you would consider, like, super popular YouTubers. Like, I'll I'll watch the occasional Mr. Beast video, but that's, like, kind of about it. But he's not really a gamer, and I get what you're saying. Like, I would say yeah, maybe... He, he has a gaming channel, but... Like, oh, he does? Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's not, like, main like the main thing he does. Okay. I would say for me, like, I don't know. It's just, I find it, it's interesting, but at the same time, there's like, all right, so my partner, they are 14 years younger than me. I know. I know. I know. They approached me, not the other way around. I want that out there for record. They approached me. All right. I thought it was a setup. But anyway, so they'll mention like, they'll be laughing at something or they'll mention something. I'll be like, who? And like, it's some name, like, um, somebody i'm just like who who is this person also your job was just on my tv <laughs> oh god i gotta say there's nothing worse than when you have a day off and you're watching tv and your job just comes on tv it's like why am i being reminded of this place i don't want to be there <laughs> um all right how do you eat your peanut butter and jellies jelly side up or peanut butter side up just however it's on my plate, I guess. <laughs> well, I know some I, people like the peanut I, I didn't realize that was a thing. Like, what? Wait, this, this you didn't. This is a thing, okay? There are people who like they like to eat it with a jelly on top and the peanut butter on the bro on the bottom. I like with my peanut butter on top and the jelly on the bottom. Wow. Like, did you ever hear of um, goober spread? Uh, I have not. It is basically peanut butter and jelly in one jar. Wow. This is a thing. You did not know this. <laughs> I did not know this. Tell you what, next time you get a chance to go to the grocery store, go to the aisle where they have the peanut butter and jelly and look for goober spread. It's, it, it might not be it might not be called that, but it'll be a jar and it'll have like brown and purple stripes going down it. Oh my gosh, the peanut butter and jelly meta is evolving. Oh, listen, uh, I could put you on to some things. Like, my guest on my first episode, Professor Tom, he was telling me how he toasts his peanut butter and jelly. I was like, this is an idea I never thought of, and I should have. That's like 
perfect gaming food. Like a toasted peanut butter and jelly. Like with some coffee. I mean, I don't know if you... Well, you're 18. You can kind of... You're, you're, I don't know. Like, your parents, they give you some sense of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, and you can kind of do your own thing to a sense, correct? Yeah, kind of. Okay, so, like, they're not going to get on if you're drinking coffee. I mean, then again, I can't say much. Look, I was 12-year-old drinking coffee in the morning before going to school. So it's the kind of upbringing I had. All right. Um, we're going to go ahead and play my next track. And I'm going to play... Duh, duh, duh. I just had it. Sorry. It's also going to be from Sonic Mania. Stardust Speedway Zone Act 1. And this, of course, is done by T-Lopes. So we'll be back.
All right, we are back. That was Stardust Speedway Zone Act 1 from Sonic Mania done by T-Lopes. And if you kind of notice a pattern here, I'm probably going to play all my Sonic Mania tracks first. And then I'm going to play uh, tracks from the two tracks I picked from um, Shredder's Revenge. Because those last two are just bangers. <laughs> but uh, having a good conversation with you, Shoot. So, all right, next question on the list. If you could only play one console for an entire month, what would it be? Um, probably Switch, because it's the only console I play already. <laughs> so there's, like, not older consoles you would like to have or anything like that? I mean, at this point, pretty much everything I want to play is on Switch. I mean, now that Pikmin 1 and 2 are on there, we've got Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, uh, we've got Smash Ultimate... Just like pretty much everything I'm like invested in is on Switch. Fair enough. I think for me it would probably be my Xbox One because there's so much on it. Although I could see like the Switch because so this is gonna shock a lot of people and I apologize for this. I still haven't played Kirby in the Forgotten Land or Forgotten Kingdom. That's I Forgotten was... Land. Forgotten Land. Yeah. All right. The new one. I've been waiting for my sons to come up for the summer break. That's a whole different situation that I'm not going to talk about on the podcast. Um, I was going to get it then so I could play with them because last year we played um, Shredder's Revenge from beginning to end um, and like beat it. So I wanted to do something else with them again this year because I think um, we played two-player two mode in Forgotten Land, correct? I think so, yeah. And are you over there playing Smash Brothers? Uh, I'm actually playing Celeste. Okay. So, um, I've heard about Celeste, but could you describe what type of game it is for other people who may not have heard it that are listening to the podcast? Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those platformers that's kind of it kind of takes elements from like a Souls like, where it's not it's not a platformer like you know Mario, uh, but more of like sort of a trial and error type thing like you're uh you know just one hp and if you like touch a hazard you die and you get sent back to the beginning of the room and like you know the rooms scroll kind of like in Mega Man. um oh, okay so yeah but yeah it's um it's a it's tough to like kind of get good at i guess but once you do, it's it's a, a whole lot of fun, and it feels super rewarding to like uh, beat each new room and like unlock a new challenge. I can feel that. That's like um, so when it comes to, like soul games, Dark Souls, um, Bloodborne, things like that, I tend to like not really gravitate towards them. And then Elden Ring was coming out, and a coworker at my old job, he was telling me about it. Because the one day we were talking about games that were coming out last year, I was like, oh, I don't know. He was like, yeah, I can't wait for Elden Ring. I was like, yeah, I'm skipping that. He goes, wait, what? I was like, yeah, I was like, I really have no interest. He goes, dude, it's open world Dark Souls. I was like, wait, what? Like, open world Dark Souls? Hold on, that actually sounds interesting. And I wind up going to play it and just haven't looked back. Like I said, um, I'm on the final boss. I just, I can't beat the second form, man. Have you seen the Elden Beast? Uh, I have not. I've uh, I've heard a lot about Elden Ring. I just never ended up really like 
you know, getting it. All right, let me ask this. Have you ever seen the anime Princess Mononosuke? Uh, I have not. All right, shoot. Here's what I need you to do for... Uh, here's your homework for tonight, young lady. You're going to go watch Princess Mononosuke. I know your dad still has access to my HBO Max. <laughs> go right. watch it. It's on HBO Max, even though it's called Max now. And report back to me. The Elden Beast looks like the spirit of the forest. That has a giant sword. It shoots golden fire. And a giant golden ring with like lasers. It, it, it's all kinds of just chicanery. Alright, um. Well, since you're playing Celeste and it's a hard game, I do have the axe. What is your least favorite video game enemy? Ooh. That one is. That's an interesting one. Uh, there's definitely a lot of candidates, and definitely some that I wouldn't be able to think of right now. But. Because, like, you know, it, it takes me a hot minute to kind of like get my thoughts in order, but. Um, I'm thinking of mostly Kirby right now. Yes, can't say Waddle Dee. They're so cute and innocent. They really don't harm you. <laughs> I kind of want to say, like, the Scrafties, the Scarfties, or whatever they're called in the old games, the little orange guys that explode. Uh, oh, God, those guys, yeah. Yeah, they can be really annoying to deal with in, like, the older titles. Um, man, for me, off the top of my head, Zubats. Ooh, I, yeah. I hate Zubats. Like, first two Pokemon games... Um, red, blue, yellow, gold, and silver, and crystal. Zubats. Bane of my existence. It's like yeah, someone is like, hey, we need a, we need an enemy that's going to cause a lot of status effects for people. But this Zubat is the reason why with a lot of games nowadays, I, um, is why, uh, I'm trying to get my thoughts together. Zubat is the reason why I like a lot of games nowadays. I always stock up on like antidotes and potions that can heal status effects at the beginning of a game. And you might not come across an, like if you're playing a JRPG or just a game in general where it's like, hey, you can buy potions and stuff to heal yourself. If there's a option to buy antidotes or post certain things that will heal status effects, I will buy that. And you might not come across an enemy like that for a good portion of the game, but I will still buy it. I have an issue, like, and Pernell has said this before on some of his podcasts, about he'll hoard items, and I do the same thing. I hoard status effect items. The simple fact of, you're not going to catch me with my pants down. Can yeah, I tell you the real. amount of times, because people that don't play the newer Pokemon games don't know this, but the older games, if you got poison, the screen would just flash black every couple of steps. Yep. Until your Pokemon died. It was agitating. So agitating. So, so so annoying. But, all right, we're going to play your next track of the night so you can get some. Because I'm guessing you're like midway through the level because I hear a lot of button clacking. <laughs> yeah, Um. right now I'm actually doing like, uh, there's a post game challenge where, uh, you know, in Celeste, like the collectibles, little collectibles are strawberries. They don't really do anything, but they're nice little challenges to go for. Yeah. Okay. And 
uh, one of the post-game challenges is at the beginning of every level, a golden strawberry spawns, and you have to get to the end of the level without dying so that you can get it. All right. So, all right, what track do you want to play next? Uh, next, I think we'll go ahead and head back to Banjo-Kazooie. Let's do Treasure Trove Cove from Banjo-Kazooie Rejiggied, which is the album of Grant Kirkhope's, some of Grant Kirkhope's rearranged stuff from Banjo-Kazooie. Yes, I remember him, um, I remember seeing this on Twitter, um, where he, like, redid a bunch of them and does... I think he put it up on a band camp or he released it for free? I think so, yeah. All right. Either way, here's the track.
Okay, I've only died once. So. <laughs> I was fucking with you. You could have. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was uh, teasing shoot about the fact that she's over here playing Celeste on her uh, PC while recording. And um, <laughs> she, I was like, you know, like you're just over there dying. And she's like, I only died once. <laughs> uh, that was Treasure Troll Pro from Banjo Kazooie Rejigged. It was composed by. Grant Kirkland. Uh, you know, having a fun time talking to shoot about things. Um, so other than, like, so do you play most of your games on your PC, or, like, I know you alternate between the Switch and the PC, correct? Uh, yeah. Sometimes I'll, like, find something on Steam that I really like, and I'll uh, play that on PC. Mm -hmm. uh, but apart from that, it's mostly just Switch. Alright. I know, um, so shocking enough, because I think you've played this. Have you played Final Fantasy VI? Uh, Final Fantasy VI, I have not played. Okay, played so... Final Fantasy IV, Final Fantasy VII, and a little bit of Final Fantasy I. Alright, so, my issue with Seven is, it's such a convoluted storyline. Like, I mean, it's not as convoluted as Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. My, my goodness, that game. And then there's gonna be a part full. Have you beaten Kingdom Hearts 3? Uh, I have never played a Kingdom Hearts game, actually. Alright, do you know how Kingdom Hearts 3 ends? Uh, I do not. Okay, never mind. I just gotta say, like, the way... When I thought... So, Kingdom Hearts 3 has been on my backlog for years now, ever since it came out. And I kept putting it off in terms of Summer Game Challenge and 4 for February. So, back and forth for February of this year, I was like, you know what? I'm finally gonna buckle down and beat Kingdom Hearts 3. And I got to the second-to-last world, which is San Francisco. Alright? I was like, alright, before I go to the final world, which is the end game. I'm going to go around and get the material so I can make the ultimate keyblade to save the king and to save the queen, which are the strongest weapons you can get in the game for the characters and can craft, all right? So, I did this in Kingdom Hearts 2. I spent an entire Friday doing this, all right? And I did it for the uh, PS4 version, the HD remakes. And, well, not remakes, the HD ones. Yeah. I spent an entire Friday getting the materials to make it. No trophy. None. I was like, where's my trophy? I got the ultimate keyblade. I got the save the king to save the queen. Where's my trophy? Don't get a trophy. Kingdom Hearts 3. There's a trophy for getting these. I was like, alright, dope. Let's go about this. Okay. First thing I gotta do. Get Oracle. Alright, cool. How many pieces I need? Eight. Alright, also cool. How do I get them? One of them you get at random. By doing a thing where you send postcards off to the Moogle. Okay. First one. Second one, it was like, okay, you have to complete these um, challenges by defeating this certain enemy in different... There's one in each world. You have to defeat it. Okay. Not that big of a deal, but annoying, but okay. Last one. So, throughout Kingdom Hearts 3, there are a bunch of Mickey Mouse symbols that you can find that you can take a picture of in their picture mode. Okay? You have to get 80... Of these things. That's 80 symbols. Crazy. Had I known this when I started playing the game, cool. I'm at the end game. I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, then you should easily be able to go back through each. No, no, I don't want to do this. I want to beat this game and be done with it. And you know what the deep thing is? What? There are 90 Mickey Mouse symbols in the game. So 10 shy of getting the gold trophy for finding all the symbols. I was like, nope, I'm done. Went, beat the rest of the game. 
I feel Forget that, honestly. Just, just no, no, we're, we're done here. And I know this from the beginning. The one thing I did in that game that I found, like, I really enjoyed was the Ratatouille sections where you cook with Remy. And they're, like, little mini games where you can make the recipes and whatnot. Like, that's the only thing I was diehard. Like, I got to find these ingredients. I got to find the ingredients to make these dishes. So. Um, so, speaking of games, what was the last video game you've beat? Uh, earlier today, I actually beat the Pikmin 1 HD port on the Switch. So that was pretty fun. I remember um, I let my friend borrow my copy of Pikmin 3 because I borrowed a game from her called Aegis and the 13 Sentinels, which is a pretty dope game, um, which I need to go and finish playing. Thank God my partner isn't here because they'd be sitting there like, you need to finish the games you start, which is something they always say. Just... Look, when I, again, when I was younger, you had maybe two or three games at best and you play them all. Now I'm an adult and I make good money. I don't have the time to play all the games I have because I'm always at work or I always have to adult, okay? Like, that's that the life of gamers nowadays. Like, per, poor Pornell. Like, my backlog's bad. Pornell, I think if he had six months of paid vacation where he could just sit down and play his games, he'd probably put a barely, I repeat, barely a dent in his collection. Matter of fact, Oof. have you ever seen I Am Legend? Uh, I have not. Oh my God! We, we need to fix. You need to watch more movies, young lady. More movies. No, I must just randomly start sending you messages on Twitter of just a list of movies for you to watch before the month is over. I'll right. make sure that, and I will make sure there are movies you have access to either via HBO Max or some other means. <laughs> anyway, in the movie, uh, it's a Will Smith movie. Uh, one part of the movie is throughout the movie. Uh, there's it explains that he's basically he goes to a video store every day and he chooses a DVD and he goes in alphabetical order. Remember DVDs, kids? <laughs> and he goes in alphabetical order of each DVD. I feel like even if Purnell did that and went in alphabetical order of each game and played it from start to finish and had six months of vacation where he didn't have to do anything a vacation, he still wouldn't get this done. He, he would barely put a dent. Barely a dent. Like, he wouldn't even get a quarter of a way, because he has a lot of games. A lot. But, um, alright, so you beat, um, Pikmin 1. Any other games you beat other than Pikmin 1 as of late? Uh, let's see. I have 100%ed Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe twice okay. since it came out. I need to play this game. I, oh, man. It's so good, honestly. Because like, that's the one that came out for... It was either the Wii or the Wii U, right? And they re-released uh, Yeah, it was it. the Wii Yeah, and they re-released it for the Switch recently. Yeah. All right. So, Kirby's Dreamland Deluxe. Uh, Return to Dreamland Deluxe. Return to Dreamland Deluxe. Uh, anything else? Hmm, not that I can think of. I mean, I did beat Celeste, but I haven't 100%ed it yet. There's just, like, a lot of post-game stuff. Are you one of those perfectionists where you got 100% a game? Not necessarily, but uh, this, this game... game is just, like, a lot of fun, and I just want more of it, you know? Okay, nothing wrong with that. Like, I know there's some people who are perfectionists, like, they have to 100% a game. 
I mean, I'm one of the people where if it's a game I really, really, really like, case in point, um, Resident Evil 3 Remake, I won, I beat the bricks off that game. There's nothing else I can do in that game. Nothing. There is nothing I can do in that game. Okay? Like, I've, I've gotten every achievement. Like, I've beaten on hardcore difficulty. I've beaten on inferno difficulty. I've beat, I've time, I've sped run it. Don't get me wrong. I, I am never going to break the world record for beating that game on Inferno Difficulty with an S rank. The world record is, if I'm correct, 45 minutes, 17 seconds, I think. The lowest amount of time I was able to beat that game in is an hour and 15 minutes. I don't know wow. how to shave off that last 30 minutes. I could probably watch a tutorial video, but still... I don't think I'm getting that world record, and I'm okay with it. So yeah. Uh, so you, we were talking recently, or well, earlier in this show, we were talking about like the fact that you know you're working at Sonic. So is Sonic your first like job, so to say? Uh, yeah, it is. I okay. worked there like around this time last year. I started there, mm -hmm. or maybe like a couple months earlier, like in April or so. Yeah. But um, yeah, I left. Uh, around like summer band this year because it was just like um, a lot of it was too much. Uh, it was too much. Yeah, I had oh, a lot okay. going on with band and all that. And okay. then uh, once the school year ended, I decided I needed money, and uh, I, I just, I'll just probably reapply here again. And so I, mean, I did. And that's yeah, how some, that's how summer jobs work. Um, so with that being said. What was, all right, when you got your very first paycheck, what was the first thing you bought? Hmm, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> I can't quite remember. Like, I, I don't remember details that well, is the thing. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Do you remember what you bought with your very first biggest paycheck? Um, I'm talking about that check that where you looked at it was like, oh man, this looks like this is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think like back in those days, I really bought a whole lot. Just like you just fast saved food money. and stuff. Yeah. Okay. I mean that. Look, that's a good mindset to have because when I was your age and I was working my first job, which I said was Pizza Hut. Um. What I was doing, I was taking half of my checks. I would give half of them to my mom, and the other half I would spend on stupid stuff. And I would have my mom hold half of it so I could use it for like stuff I needed, like school clothes, school supplies, things like that. So I was saving money. Um, my very first biggest paycheck, I remember it was like $506. And to me at the time, that was a lot of money. And yeah. I went and bought myself an Xbox. I remember this exact. I bought an Xbox. I got Soul Calibur 2, a game called Run Like Hell, and Halo. I got a second controller. And then for the rest, I like spent on like junk food and stuff like that. Um, I took my girlfriend at the time out on a date. We went to the movies. And for whatever reason, I spent $25 on a sword, a katana. <laughs> I bought at a novelty shop that used to be up in the mall that we have here in Pennsylvania called the Harrisburg East Mall. 
<laughs> oh, God, such simpler times. And it's just like, I think back to that. I'm thinking like, okay, I just got paid yesterday. And I'm basically broke already because I had to get oil for my car, fill up my gas tank, take the dog to get groomed, buy dog food, buy diapers, buy puppy pads, get stuff for the house. Listen, let me say this very clearly. Adulting sucks. Yeah. I know you're probably at the age right now where you're like, man, I can't wait to get out of my parents' house and get my own place. Take your damn time. Trust me on this. Take your time. Stack your money. Stay at your parents for as long as you can before you move out. Well, I mean, I am going to be going to college, so. I mean, that's fine, too, because <laughs> the real world sucks. Anyway, I'm going to play uh, my next track on that because, man, the real world sucks. <laughs> All right, let's see. Where, where the heck is it? Uh, that no, nope, that's one of your tracks. That was mine. Oh, this one should work. I can see its name. All right, I'm gonna play Studio Zone Act One: Lights, Camera, Action from the game Sonic Mania. Dun -dun. Oh yeah. And here's a track. <laughs>
All right, we are back. That was Studio Opolis. Yeah, Studio Opolis Zone Act One. Lights, camera, action from the game Sonic Mania, done by, of course, T Lopes. Now, I'll start going to shoot like right now. Shoot is working. You know, she's a young lady that's fresh out of high school, got plans for the future, going to college. So, you're saying that you're going to college for uh, was it uh, theater? Uh, theater major. Okay. Um. Are there any other like uh what's the word I'm looking for? I'm trying to uh what I don't know what it's called. Is it electives? I didn't go to college, people, okay? Like if I did go to college, it's gonna be for literature, but like are there any other um degrees, I guess that would be the word. Degrees or certificates or anything that you would like to get along with your theater um would it be theater bachelor's degree or theater degree or uh i'm not sure exactly but uh, i am going to minor in music composition because okay. like it's a thing i that i do you know i mean you never know maybe someday you know maybe someday in the future i'll be interviewing you because you did a comp you know did a video game soundtrack yeah you know you never know you know, like, you know, or maybe you'll work under the ring of the wing of the one and only Grant Kirkhope. Maybe. You never know. Dreams could come true. Um. So other than college, any other plans for the future? Uh, not really. Just kind of see where I go. You know. And I mean, obviously, like, I've I've got to like work on transitioning and stuff. Um. I mean, like, do you want do you want to talk about that? We don't have to. Because uh, that is your could, yeah. Okay. Um, so, kind of the other reason why I asked you to come on the show, because as we all know, it's Pride Month. I was going to do a separate episode, but then I realized by the time episode three comes out, it'll be July, so Pride will be over. And I didn't want to, like, feel like as if this was shoehorned. Um, but shoot is, um, well, you, you, I, I don't, I don't want to say the incorrect term. So why don't you explain it yourself? Uh, yeah, I am transgender. I was born male, and, uh, like, that's my, you know, my biological sex is male currently. Uh, but my gender is female, and I'm working on, you know, transitioning, presenting um, as female, like, you know, in my everyday life. And, you know, so, like, that's what, and when I first met Shoot, um, well, can't really say Matt because it was via <laughs> when I first was introduced to Shoot and her father. Um, Shoot at the time, I just knew Shoot is Shoot, and um, as time went on, that's when she transitioned. And you know, I've been very, I've one been very supportive because, as well as her parents, who have because I remember talking to Bedroth about it and him telling me like, you know, we've been doing our best to like support her as best as we can. So you know, I she definitely asked my support as well and. Other reason why I wanted her on the show because I've always had a good time talking to shoot about various things, be it Pokemon or just video games in general. Um, yeah. She still owes me a match in Pokemon one of these days, in which she's gonna get her, you know, ass thoroughly handed to her. Okay, well, I, I do have a VGC Series Two team that I built on Scarlet and Violet. Oh so, god, uh... I, I am not playing, not yet. I'm not playing anyone on Scarlet and Violet competitively. Until after both DLCs come out, which so 
right now, you know, they did the same thing they did with Sword and Shield, where not every mod got in the game. And don't get me wrong, I can understand why the Pokemon company didn't do that. I mean, having to first off, this is a first, this is a second open world Pokemon game. This is the first open world multiplayer Pokemon game. So trying to put every flipping mon in this thing will be a pain in the ass. Kind of like the same way why there wasn't a bunch of them in Pokemon Sword and Shield. Because could you imagine having to Gigantamax a... Um, what's a mon they didn't put in there? Like having to Gigantamax all those mons. Yeah. Like there's over a thousand Pokemon now, people. When this thing first came out, when I was like 12... Like, I was arguing with my classmate about there's only 150, not knowing about Mew. Okay? To think that we went from 151 Pokemon to over a thousand. Like, I have three crocodiles I can use. Crocodile, Feraligator, Skeledurge. And yes, they will be on my team if I can get my Feraligator. Because is it Crocodile in um, Scarlet and Violet? It might be. I'm not sure. If it isn't, I'm. it's definitely coming with the DLC. Because I think it was in one of the trailers in the direct. Speaking of, so is there any mods that's currently not in the game that you hope comes in with the DLC? Uh, Snorlax is a big one. I am a... Wait, hold on. Snorlax, Snorlax is again? it? Snorlax is it? Oh my... Wow. Yeah, they, they are bringing back Snorlax in the DLC, I know. Uh, but my thing with Snorlax is uh, I actually did a video about the history of Snorlax and competitive Pokemon. And, uh, you know, back in the olden days, back in Gen 1 and Gen 2 competitive singles, uh, Snorlax was actually one of the best Pokemon in Generation 1. It was part of the big three of Chansey, Toro, Snorlax, who, like, dominated the metagame. And... It was the number one, top one Pokemon in Gen 2 competitive. Uh, this is... Go on. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Generation 2, Gold, Silver, Crystal, Snorlax is widely known as the best ever competitive Pokemon in, like, standard uh, competitive singles. And I think that's super, super cool. I mean, this is well known because I remember when I first got Snorlax in... I didn't use Snorlax in Pokemon in the first gen, which, all right, so my history of Pokemon is a little weird. I was around when the games first came out, but I never had red, blue, and I didn't have red and blue first. I had silver first because again, like I said, growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So when I was babysitting for a friend of my mom's, I saved up my money. I bought a silver Game Boy Pocket off my classmate that came with Pokemon Pinball. And then I went, and I remember walking, it's about a good 30 to 45 minute walk to the Harrisburg East Mall. You and me have talked about this before on my one episode. Um, and I bought Pokemon Silver. And that's when I caught Snorlax. And I used him whenever I would play my friends because, and my Snorlax, I gave him Defense Curl, Rollout. Um, I think I gave him Body Slam and either Ice Punch or something else. I forget. I forget what attacks get, but like he was a very, he was a very bold. He had very high stats in terms of defense and health. Yeah, that's so. the big thing with Snorlax. It's very specially bulky. Um, 
its HP is really high, so it can take big hits. Its special defense is really high, so a lot of special attacks aren't going to do anything to it. It doesn't really need a special boosting move. Its defense is fairly average, but the big thing that makes Snorlax really useful is the move Curse. Oh, yes. Which, um, for every Pokemon that isn't a ghost type, like for ghost types, it cuts half your health and puts a status on the opponent that takes a fourth of their health every turn. But for every non-ghost type, it boosts your attack and defense and lowers your speed. Snorlax is already a really slow Pokemon, so it doesn't need so, speed. Yeah. It's, what, what's it's slow it, and bulky. Yeah, what's the matter? Like, you throw that thing in a Trick Room team, especially now that we have the Terra, um, the Terra forms. So, yeah. you know what? Speaking to you, so... My biggest issue right now with the Pokemon games, my big wishlist Pokemon, I want my Drapion back. I would like Gavantula too. If I had to choose between Gavantula and Drapion, I'll take Drapion. I love my Gavantula, but I got Ampharos back, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. If I don't get Drapion back, I might use Snorlax as a means to fill in that space that Drapion had. Because it could be support, it could be a wall, and it could be an attacker. So... Thanks to you, yeah. I think I may have found my um, backup plan. Because I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't have Drapion. I now know. Yeah. The thing with some of the Hisuian ones, though, uh, like from Pokemon Legends Arceus, since mm -hmm. they've been... Well, I hit my mic. Uh, since they've been brought in, uh, there are actually two that tend to function as Snorlax 2 and Snorlax 3. Uh, first off is um, Ursaluna, who is a normal ground type, so already it gets... Uh, Stabber oh yeah, the um, of just earthquake. The uh, I guess you could saw call it the primitive form, primitive. Yeah, sorry, words. Primitive form of uh, Ursaring. Oh uh, yeah, it's actually the evolution of Ursaring in uh, Legends Arceus. Which is funny because you know it's uh, Legend Arceus takes place in the past. <laughs> yeah, it's right, weird so, how it works, but you know, yeah. Ursaring, Ursaluna, and what was the other one? Uh, yeah, well, the thing about Ursaluna is it's very versatile. Uh, uh -huh. Its ability guts, uh, along with, like, obviously, oh, Flame Orb Love and uh, Facade, Stab Facade, even. Oh, God, uh, wow. That, that Just... thing is it's such that... a dominant force right now in BGC, and people are using only that one set. But that thing could be so much, so much more versatile. This thing literally could just be Snorlax 2. Because, like... Back in the day, early VGC, like really early VGC, we're talking like 20, uh, 2008, um, like Snorlax was part of like a really good, this is a very obscure thing that I'm talking about right now, but uh, <laughs> back back before VGC was even VGC, it was, I, I forgot what it was called, but it, was, it wasn't called VGC. Um, I think it was just like the uh, Pokemon League or Pokemon League Cup. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but there was this, uh, the first place team in uh, World uh, world Championships was a team using Belly Drum Snorlax and Psych Up Metagross. I can see now that. Just take that in for a second. Uh, this is I... obviously doubles. Yeah. So you you send out, uh, it, also, it also had Smeargle, who has always been just like really great until, you know, it lost Darth Void, but... That's a whole nother story, but uh, <laughs> you have Smeargle, who can put both opponents to sleep with one move. Yeah. And then you send out Snorlax, you Belly Drum, you have Metagross, you Psych Up, and so now you have two really strong Pokemon at maximum attack. 
So what a lot of people don't know is like, so when it comes to, for those who don't play competitive Pokemon, that's basically what you would call a sweeper. Yeah. So yeah. like you have a lot of people who do setups and then like, if you can max out, you just use it to sweep. Okay. So the smuggles in to like put someone to sleep. So it gives you a chance to boost your stats and then just sweep the competition. So, um, yeah. It's funny when you talk about guts, because that's how I run all my hair across with guts. I had a sleep talk hair across with guts and it had a very Ooh, yeah. simple setup. It was um, it would have a chesto berry, you know, just to like sometimes it would have sleep talk, um, swords dance, mega horn and um, rest. But what I used to do, I switched it up instead of giving it swords dance, I gave it bulk up. Because bulk up will boost both attack and defense. And granted, you don't get that extra level of attack, but you get a, you sacrifice that for a defense, meaning which you can take more hits. So it's going to take people a while to get that thing down if they're not using a super effective move. Yeah. So and that's that's the big thing with Snorlax in the earlier gens. It could set up really easily with Curse because it was boosting its defense and it already has really good special defense. Yeah. So. It, it didn't need the speed that most sweepers tend to need now uh, to just, like, set up and just be unkillable and sweep teams. And that's that's part of why it was so good in Gold, Silver, and Crystal. Well, because now you got a lot of people that use um, Trick Room teams. Yes. I saw, uh, so, MAGFest this year, matter of fact, we're going to play the next track because I do have to make a phone call. And we'll talk about, like, what I saw at MAGFest and this again and what we're probably gonna have to do people just so you know because shoot does have some things she has to go take care of uh, she has her own adulting things to do which yeah. you know th doesn't that sad you have to say that you have to adult now yeah i have to adult now unfortunately you have to adult now yeah so it we're gonna like is. we're gonna talk for a little bit more and the rest of the tracks both me and her have we'll just play as bonus tracks but uh we're going to play her next track of the night which would actually this will probably be your last track of the night what would that be? Because the rest will just be bonus tracks. Yeah. Um, this one's tough, but I think I'm gonna gonna I think I'm gonna have to go with Mid Boss Mayhem from Mario Plus Rabbits. Quite possibly my favorite Grant Kirkhope track. I remember listening to this. I'm like, oh my god, this is like it's zany, it's zany in terms of rabbits, but you can also tell the influences from like his previous games that he's composed for. Yeah.
especially when you got to take the other parent to court. Uh, I'm recording. I can't talk about this while I'm recording. <laughs> uh, we are back. That was Midboss Mayhem from the game. Which one was this from? Is this from the second one or the first one? Uh, the first one, Kingdom Battle. Okay. Mario and Ra- ah, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Rabbids are from the game um, Rayman. Uh, it was one of the first games that came out for the Wii, Rayman Raving Rabbids. It was a bunch of mini games. Very fun. Very zany and quirky. And now they've invaded the Mushroom Kingdom. And it plays like XCOM. For those of you who don't know, XCOM is basically like a tactical um, RPG of sorts, so to say. Have you ever played XCOM? Uh, I've not. It okay. To me, it reminds me kind of, uh, kind of like Fire Emblem, but with a lot more like yeah it's uh, kind of like more kind of yeah because you can um so like fire emblem is tactical rpg this would be considered a tactical rpg except with the difference of you can take cover you can do this you can do that um so like if you've ever played any of the XCOM games this is in the same vein and so before we went on the little break to play the track we were talking about um bgc competitive um and i remember you were just saying about the uh the Ursa, the Lun, oh god, what's his name? Luna Ring? Ursa Luna. Ursa Luna, and everyone's running Guts with Flame Orb, and fuck, Facade, and so it's Facade. What, what other three attacks are they throwing on this thing? Uh, yeah, so, uh, obviously VGC is different from, like, singles, it's, yeah, uh, it's doubles. Yeah, it's doubles, so, you, uh, Protect is a really, really, like, widespread move because you can protect one pokemon while doing something with the other yeah. and it's a uh, you know it's kind of like mind games you know all that stuff yeah um but one of the um one of the biggest things that ursaluna currently does is obviously it gets out on the field it either uses protect or takes an opportunity to do something uh and and uh, it's holding a flame orb, so it gets burned activating its guts ability, which boosts its attack, and then also boosting facade. So, uh, and then it's a normal and ground type, so it gets the same type of attack bonus on facade. Yeah. And then it also tends to run headlong rush and one other move. I don't know, like the standard Ursaluna set. I know it's not crunch, but it's some other move. Um, is it a dark type move? Let me see if I can.
Sorry about the yeah. kid in the background. He's just happy giggling. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the statistics for Regulation D on Analytics, yeah, which is the main like website for all the like competitive team building stuff, but I want to say it's close combat, but I'm not too sure. Okay. It might be. I mean, I know that's usually a move a lot of people throw on certain mods, given the situation. Um, like, and then when you take into the fact of, like, the terror thing, like, I don't know, I feel like, like you said, it's one of those mods where, like, if it has, depending on the move pool, you can make a lot, you can do a lot of versatile things. I know one thing I hate when it comes to VGC is a lot of teams are very cookie cutter. It's like, here's the meta. Yeah. We're all going to do the same thing. And I'm like, this is stupid. Like, y'all can't come up with your own ideas. Like, you'll never see me running a meta mon. And it upsets me because I've been running Incineroar on my team for years because it's a giant, fiery, yep. wrestling cat. Yep. I love wrestling. Okay? And then Incineroar became super, super meta. And I'm like, what are y'all? No, no, no. Shame on y'all. I, I think it's I think it's kind of fun when one of my favorite Pokemons becomes meta, uh, or when a meta Pokemon becomes one of my favorites because I use it. But uh -huh. the thing with VGC is obviously since there's no bans, like uh, anything can like be super super meta defining. But it it tends to balance itself out because uh, it's a lot harder to like sweep and stuff in uh, doubles than in singles because you have two Pokemon out on the field. To deal with any like one big threat but the big thing with vgc is obviously that some pokemon are really broken especially these days and uh that stuff ends up defining the meta and in certain uh certain vgc metagames that stuff just becomes all people use yeah that's like what was it um uh back during ultra sun ultra moon where basically yeah. every mon was in a game and you see like vgc it's like everyone's using let's see uh alone raichu uh kyorga mega rayquaza it's like can y'all come up with some originality that's like i think one yeah. of the most original things i've seen in years was years ago i think his i forget what his name is um the guy that used a pachirisu sajin park yeah that's it that tanked a Draco Meteor.
Yep. That Pachirisu match, oh, 2014 World Championships. That is just, it's so much oh fun to watch Wait, every was, single time. Like That was 11 years ago? Oh my yeah. god. Generation it, 6. That was, that was before Restricted Mons were allowed, I'm pretty sure, because Restricted Mons are like those really powerful Mons. Your Mega Rayquazas, your Kyogres, all that. Uh, your Legendaries, you know. Uh, like, that was before that. Hold on, let me let me find it. Because I know, like, I I do not live by these people, but just so y'all know, I might go on their website every now and then just to get an idea for a build, and I put my own spin on it. Smogon, I hate Smogon. Let me make that very clear. Because Smogon likes to ban Mons from their like tournament brackets. For I remember when they banned Greninja. I mean, to be fair, Greninja with Protean was ridiculous but it's a glass the, cannon it's yeah but it's too cannon. it's too much cannon is the thing and it can it's it's not enough glass either because it can change its type at will that's why look my thing is this i i hate to say it this way but like all right fighting game tournaments okay um there's a saying get good if someone's corner beating you figure out how to get out the corner okay if it's a cheap tactic, you don't like it, oh well. It's in the game. It's legal. All right? If people don't like... All right. My biggest, I think, during Gen 6, if I'm correct, my biggest gripe... Oh, no. The biggest bane of my existence, because I was running... I was the bug gym leader of the East Coast Pokemon League, was Talonflame. Gale wins Talonflame. Would wreck my entire team. And I had to get good to get around that thing. Yeah, I didn't sit there like, oh, we should ban this. We, we should ban this. We should this. No, it's called get good. Figure out a strategy around it. Work your way. This is why I'm kind of mad at Pokemon right now because after Sun and Moon, after Ultra Sun and Moon, they didn't allow you to have the um, the record feature where you could record battles and post them online. So, Or they didn't have the feature where you could do mock battles against people that you previously played. Because the East Coast Pokemon League, you go up against different gyms, and each gym has their own type, okay? If I came up against a gym, which my the gym that was the biggest bane of my existence was the Fairy Gym, when I was making my run during that year, I played, I did so many mock battles against the Fairy Gym leader's team. I knew the team like the back of my hand. And I enjoyed that because it gave you a chance to try different things. It allows you to learn, allows you to overcome your mistakes. So when I hear something like, oh, we're going to ban this mod, we're going to ban this mod, we're going to ban this mod. Don't get me wrong. I see in the case of like a Pokemon like Spiritomb, which has no weaknesses. Spiritomb's actually like really bad. Yeah, but like at the time, like it has no weaknesses. Or like legendary mods, like the, the, I don't even know. Can you consider the Paradox mods legendaries? Uh, the Are Paradox mods don't tend to fall under like that kind of an, uh, that kind but of are, umbrella but are there like base stats that strong that's the question yeah they they tend to have like definitely higher than average okay. but not like box art legendary high okay that's why i was thinking like i'm like because i'm looking at this like a lot of like competitions have been banned in paradox mons i'm like but they're not actually legendaries it's just different forms so mm -hmm. like are they really that big of a thing and then like well based off of what you said okay i can see now because it's like oh 
these guys have like higher stats than normal mons. Okay, I can see why. Although I'll say this, as grateful as I'm M that Volcarona got two different forms, okay? Uh what's the the one that's poison still? Is it Metal Wings? Uh Iron Moth. Iron Moth. That's the most dumbest flipping typing ever. I'm gonna make you poisonous steel. So I'm four times weak to the one attack that damn near every Pokemon in the game has access to. Yep. Yeah, that, right. that, that is and you don't even thing you don't really even sucks. have you don't even have levitate. Yep. And then you have Slitherwing, which I'm kind of mad about because it's a bug fighting. I like that typing. Don't get me wrong. I do like that typing. My issue. This thing looks like it should have been Bug Dragon. True. Oh my gosh. I've been wanting a Bug Dragon type for so long. Like, we have never had a Bug Dragon type. And I'm getting tired of the Bug type. And I've been a Bug Gym Leader, okay? I don't even like actual bugs, but I am a Bug Gym Leader. Okay, was a Bug Gym Leader. A lot of my mons are bugs in my main teams, okay? I hate when they make a new, like, Bug type. And they give it something that gives it an extra, like an additional two times height. Uh, Volcarona is fire and bug, so it's not weak to fire, but it's weak to water. Uh, it's not really weak to ground. I think it's weak to ground attacks. Four times weak to rock. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's see. Heracross, bug fighting, four times weak to flying. Like. Uh sometimes the Pokemon meta just drives me insane. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's just because like Bug has a lot of weaknesses, you know. Yeah, but like at the time, like and a lot of people don't know this. So back in Gen One, the only thing Psychic types were weak to were Bug attacks. Yep, and there were and, like four of those in the game that nothing good got. Like, let's see, you had. I think the only bug types in the game, and I don't count like pre-evolution, so I'm talking about like main evolutions, was um, Pinsor, Scyphor, Butterfree, we um, Beedrill. That was it. Yep. That's it. And see, that's the thing, because Gen 1 had so little compared to like the things we have today, that the top three types were number one was normal, number two was psychic, number three was ice.
the gen okay let me pull this up right now uh the gen one uh standard play like 1v1s uh the viability ranking is s rank we have toros snorlax chancy the big three i mentioned earlier the normal yeah. types because yeah. normal only has one weakness and the best yeah. um yeah the best fighting type in standard play the best two are polyrath and machamp and they're in e rank reserved for pokemon that are very mediocre they are very dependent on surprising the opponent to pose any threat and i mean there's only one like good fighting move that all the fighting types get and that's submission 80 percent accurate 80 power and does recoil yeah. so normal essentially has no weaknesses no resistances no like defensive interaction with any type ever because uh and, um and most normal types got access to a wide variety like the punches ice punch thunder punch fire punch yeah a lot of elemental attacks because uh chancy tends to run a wide variety of sets uh with stuff like seismic toss um toxic well no not usually toxic because uh, that didn't badly poison yet yeah uh, not yet thunder wave uh, just like healing stuff like that. Just Chancy. Chancy's job is to sit on the field, take attacks, and be annoying. Tauros runs one set, three moves, and then either earthquake or like something else. I forgot what it was. Let me look it up. Was it headbutt? No, uh, headbutt didn't come to Gen two. All right, the bowl move one body slam which is like your paralysis. bread and butter normal type attack. Yeah, paralysis. Uh, yeah, it was really good in Gen 1. That's another reason normal was so good, because in Gen 1, uh, body spam paralysis didn't work on normal types. Move 2, what? hyper beam. Wow. Yep, it, every, everyone had hyper beam. <laughs> yeah, everyone had hyper beam back in Gen 1, because if you took a KO with it, you didn't have to recharge. Uh, move 3, blizzard. This is me learning things I didn't even know. We'll continue. Yeah. <laughs> move 3, blizzard. 90% uh, accuracy in this game, as opposed to nowadays where it has 70% accuracy. So it was really good, really high power, and hit a lot of stuff for a lot of damage. Uh, and then move for Earthquake. Other options, Thunderbolt and Thunder, can be used to damage Cloyster. Uh, so you can swap out, like, Thunderbolt for Blizzard, but it it needs Body Slam for, like, damage. It needs Hyper Beam to KO certain things, like Chansey with chip damage. Yeah. Um, Earthquake, obviously, to hit Gengar and uh, other stuff super effectively, like um, uh, like right on. It helps it hit right on uh, yeah. stuff like just like niche picks like Jolteon, but uh, it mostly needs Earthquake for Gengar. And then Blizzard just to hit certain things like uh, let me see, Exeggutor, uh, right on also because right on has really high defense. But yeah. Tauros just tends to run offense. That's it. It kills things. That's its job, and it's really good at it. <laughs> and then we got Snorlax again. It sits on the field. It is bulky. It does damage. It's kind of like a mix between Tauros and Chansey, but it also has its own things that it does. Yeah. And so then, uh, and then, as you were saying, there's the Psychic type, which is all A rank. We have Starmie, Exeggutor, Alakazam. Uh, Pokemon that are outstanding in the RBY metagame pose a significant offensive or defensive threat to most teams. Uh, these are Pokemon, because like all the S rank, the big three are on virtually every serious team. Tauros, Snorlax, Chansey. You always have those. 
And then you can choose one or two or just like a mix of these normal types. Uh, I mean, psychic types, sorry. And, you know, they're good. And then there weren't a whole lot of like great ice types, obviously. Like you've got Articuno, got stuff like Lapras, Jinx. Jinx is Jinx Dugong. and Poister. Dugong, Poister. Yeah, because um, term- it's not on the viability ranking. It's it's not great, which saddens me because it was one of my first Pokemon cards. Like, I mean, yeah. when you when you look at Gen One, it's like a lot of Gen One Mons have persevered throughout the years throughout various games. Okay, and while a lot of them didn't get extra stuff, a lot of, like, dear God, Pikachu is like in every game. Like that that upsets me to ev- to everything. And the thing that really pisses me off about Pokemon some days is the fact of like, like you said, like different mods are set different ways. And Gen One, they were like, they ran this way. But the one mod, other than Pikachu, that seems to persevere through it all, is flipping Charizard. Mm, yeah, that pisses me off to no end. Because like, how are you going to show love for one starter? Like with Sword and Shield, Charizard got in the game before Blastoise and Venusaur, and I'm like. He's the weakest out of the three starters. Yep, and especially with Stealth Rocks running around. No, uh, assistant number one has just came in from her from their appointment, and there are Charizard stands, and I keep telling them Charizard is the weakest of the original three starters. First and foremost, all right, it cannot kill Venusaur if it's life dependent on it. I dare, matter of fact, I dare anybody i will put this out there when they're you can play being sword and shield or scarlet and violet make a charizard build i will make a venusaur i guarantee my venusaur will live while your charizard dies guarantee as we all know blastoise versus the world for real blastoise actually uh there was a particular metagame I think it was like some of the lower tiers when I was uh, when I was making the Snorlax video about uh, its competitive history. Yeah, a lot of the tiers, like not a lot of the tiers, but like Gen Six and Gen Seven, uh, Snorlax actually ended up in a lot of the tiers that Mega Blastoise was in, and Mega Blastoise is it just outclasses it like so much. See, here's a weird thing. So in terms of Blastoise, like the all right, so I've ran two all right so i've ran blastoise in every competitive team i've been able to run him in and when it comes to mega blastoise i never used him granted he had paul he had uh, i think what was it pulse or um i forget what special what its um, ability was it was pulse it had something, something to do- like uh some some kind of something cannon hold on let me i think it's pulse cannon or something like that
Pistoles. Mega Launcher. That's it. Right, Mega Launcher, which made Pulse attacks stronger. So Water Pulse, Dark Pulse. Um, ah, there's another one. Uh, Dragon Pulse. Dragon Pulse. So Pulse I don't know attacks, if you got that, though. It, it gave it more damage, okay? I never used it. Because to me, it was like, okay, this is great, but like in terms of how I play Blastoise... So someone gave me this, um, our fighting gym leader gave me this really interesting Blastoise build that I've been using for a long time now. Shell Smash Blastoise. Ooh. You give that thing a white herb, have it use Shell Smash, okay? And you can set it to either be a physical attacker or a special attacker, okay? And Blastoise also can be set up as a, um, as a stall wall. Because I had a really, I had a really messed up Blastoise set. So, Rangish Blastoise with Protect, Fake Out, Toxic, Scald. Now you could um, switch out Fake Out for maybe Water um, for Rain Dance, unless you have a Mon can already set up like a Rain Dance. And what you do is you use Toxic on one of your on the opponent's Mon. And then you just protect and let rain, and you, and then you give it leftovers as well. And you can just damn near stall out anything, because even if you don't get it with the toxic, if you can burn your opponent's mon with like scald, you're golden. Yeah. So it's just a thing of just sitting back and watching that life lead just slowly die. Like I had a brother who uses um, I don't know. Like me personally, I find like depending on who's who I'm playing against, I'll make different mons just to deal with the situation. For instance, my brother has a melodic that used to give me headaches. So I was thinking, like, all right, what can I do to kill this thing? So I made a muck because he used to use recover on his melodic. So I made a muck specifically just to kill his melodic. I gave it disable, toxic, thunderbolt, and what was the last move? I want to say sludge wave, maybe. Because I had Blux Sludge on it. Either way, I disabled, like, I poisoned him, and I disabled his healing, and I just watched his life please slowly go away. It was beautiful. Wow. I, I'm an evil person. I do not make any qualms about that. I will make you want to quit the game that you're playing. But anyway, uh, shoot, I thank you for coming on. Um, greatly appreciate having you being on this episode. I know you got some stuff you got to do. You're also still playing Celeste. Um, yeah. So I'm going to like, I'll probably add this in the show notes and stuff. Actually, I will. Where can people find you if you want them to find you on the interwebs? Oh, uh, yeah. I am Shoot Kapow on YouTube. Make sure to go subscribe to me there for some Pokemon and now Pikmin content, which I will have up soon. Uh, especially now that I can actually, like, I don't have to mess with Dolphin to get Pikmin 1 and 2 footage. I can just get it from my Switch. <laughs> also, you have a capture card. Uh, yeah, I do. Oh, look, look at you. I, see, I can't do that. I can't. <laughs> what you, you stupid dog. Have you lost your mind? Go somewhere. God, dog almost knocked over my hot Cheetos. Wow. All right. Yeah, it was about to be a fight. Um... All right, so shoot the pal on YouTube, um, Twitter handle or anything. Oh uh, yeah, that is also just at shoot the pal. Okay, and um, 
What I'll probably do is I'll have you text it to me. I'll include the show notes, the uh, link to your flat.io. Which I'm yeah. very proud that you finally changed that because you recognize you're not getting Lloyd Irving and Smash ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Um, anything you'd like to say about Kurt Colt before we close for the night? Uh, not really. I think I've pretty much said all I've got to say about him for now. Okay. Um, I guess that's, there's not much else. I guess the last thing I want to ask is, what are your thoughts on the upcoming DLC for Pokemon? Uh, I think most of what I'm excited for is the new Pokemon they're adding. Uh, I'm excited to see how Snorlax is going to fare in this one. Actually, it's, um, I did kind of want to talk about this, but there is this uh, original metagame that uh, some people in a Discord server that I'm in were uh, they came up with. It's called Contrarian Mons, and okay. essentially, Pokemon are only allowed to use the attack stat that is lower than their higher attack stat. So, like, Ooh. Uh, for example, Tyranitar can only use special moves. Garchomp can only use special moves. Um, okay, it's, that's um, actually that's actually an interesting. That's actually an interesting challenge to do in terms of, like, fighting. Yeah, like, it's, it's really cool. Uh, the metagame is super interesting, because, like, Galarian Sloking is currently the top one Pokemon. That's on, like, every team. Just, like, teams without uh, Galarian Sloking are just worse. Uh, Deancey is currently being suspected for a ban, um, because it... It has, uh, like, tied stats. Its attack and special attack are the same. Mm -hmm. So what do you have to do for a Pokemon like that? Like, also, uh, Metacham, who isn't as uh, good, but we'll talk about Metacham in a second. Um,
DNC either runs a Iron Defense Substitute Body Press Diamond Storm set, where it gets behind a sub, boosts its defense, and just sweeps because it can't be killed. It's kind of like, <laughs> again, like Snorlax. You just can't kill it. And right. it either does that or it runs Calm Mind. And uh, both of those sets, the Iron Defense set is most used, but the Calm Mind set also has some merit. And it's just really, really tough, and it's it's just hard to beat. And another Pokemon that's being suspected is Hydreigon, uh, which uses also Substitute, and then it sets up with Dragon Dance, and then its attacking moves are Crunch and Earthquake. So that thing basically just sets up and sweeps, and there's not a whole lot that counters it except, like, Terra Fairy Mesprit, which Mesprit is actually really good in this metagame. <laughs> I think whenever the DLCs come out, I'm gonna have I'm a, I'm a, yeah can't talk. I'm gonna have to have you come back on so we can talk strictly about Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be a lot of fun. Because uh, I gotta be honest, like as much as I, I don't don't get me wrong, I like Scarlet and Violet, but I don't like the glitches and everything. And I'm like, I I've literally been staying away from the game for the simple fact of I do not want to lose my save file because. I have a lot of five, six, I, I have a lot of six IV dittos that mm. I just want to do a bunch of breeding for. So, but. I just haven't played the game in a while because I've kind of just like lost interest, you know. You're, been, you're I've been doing other stuff, yeah. yeah. You're adulting, you're making content for your YouTube page, you know, you're probably still composing, you're working, you know, like. Hey, look, you just graduated from high school. Your life is ahead of you. Yeah. You you literally have like stuff going on like you you have your whole life ahead of you at this point so you've done something that a lot of people myself included have not been able to do and that's walk the stage so like I tell my kids you owe me a diploma oh it's just number one you'll like this they're going to college for a theater major They're also a theater kid like you. They they dismiss like I, I can't tell if that was a happy squeal or a sad squeal or both. They're looking forward to Hamilton being in Hershey, although it's not going to be original cast, and that makes me sad. Wow, oh, that's unfortunate. Yes, I, I really wanted to meet Lin Manuel because I never. Like so, I would, I like musicals. I never paid attention to Hamilton until they got so they showed me it. And like, my favorite song now is the um, Reynolds pamphlet. Anyway, uh, thank you again. Uh, so rest of the all right. So my last track at night, people, will be Chemical Plant Zone from Sonic Mania Act One, on that, done by T Lopes, which is a remaster of the original one. And then every track after this is going to be a mixture of T Lopes and Grant Kirkhope. Uh, basically bonus tracks. So we have Sunny Side of the Galaxy, Free ZZ Peak, and well, the last one I'm gonna leave as a surprise because it's one of my favorite tracks of all time. And as soon as the beat drops, you're gonna understand. And if you're a Grant Kirkhope, if you know Grant Kirkhope, you know what we're playing last. Oh, um, hey, if you know the words, you can join in too. That too. Uh, your family may hate you for it, but who cares? <laughs> Um, and hey, maybe even put your hands together if you want to clap. 
Let me stop. Uh, my last couple of tracks will be, and the thing is, I had them here, and then I lost them because, you know, I'm terrible at keeping notes some days. And my things are... Okay, so that's going to be the... Oh, my God. Why, why is this acting this way? Uh, one of the tracks... Will, two of the tracks are from uh, Shredder's Revenge, and the other two are from Sonic Mania, and I've lost the tracks. What the hell? And I'll figure out the bonus track somewhere down the line. Anyway, um, shoot, thank you again for coming on. I'll have you send me that information so I can put it in the note. Um, this has been BGM Origins. Uh, next episode, I believe, will feature uh, Jesse By God Moore of Game That Tune. And what the top's going to be, I don't know. But this was my take on the Masters of BGM featuring T. Lopes and Grant Kirko. Uh, shoot. Best of luck in that extra stage that you're doing and um, future endeavors. And we'll see you on again when we do the Pokemon episode after the, I guess, either after the first or the second DLC drops for Scarlet and Violet. Yep. So, in the, words of, be back. in the words of Kenny Omega, thank you and good night.
Balloon. This crazy call just digs this tune. Huh.